I want you to look with me at James one last time. James chapter one, verses one to four. He begins his letter like this. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James begins his letter by telling this small, this group of Christians and telling us today uh, that it is through trials and testing that we are made perfect. If anyone ever tells you that the Christian life is easy, that they're, they're, they've got the wrong Christian life, it's not. And it never will be in this fallen planet. And I don't like this, you know, but I'm not in charge. God is. And God has said, I will use the trials and the challenges of life to shape in you, my son, my daughter, the image of Jesus. And that's what the whole book of James is about. Now what James goes on to say, and he gets very specific here, and I want you to look at one other passage, James chapter two, look at verse 14. He says, what use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, or in the same way, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Said another way, faith that does not lead to a choice is not biblical faith. Just to be clear, if you say you believe something, but you never act on what you believe, then you really don't have biblical faith. And so early in our series, uh, we gave everybody a silver dollar don't know if you've still got yours, but everyone got a silver dollar, Brentwood Franklin. And it's a simple reminder that there are two sides to this coin and there are two sides to faith. And let us never, ever neglect that faith begins with knowledge. Faith begins with something you know. You've got to have, you've got to have faith in truth. So there's a truth side, a belief side of faith. It's mental, it's, we, I believe that's true. But there's another side of faith and that is work, that is I believe it's true, and I'm gonna do something about that belief. I'm gonna do something with that belief. And in the same way that you could not remove one side of this coin and still have a coin, you cannot remove belief or action from faith and still have biblical faith. Honestly, if we rubbed off one side of this coin, uh, it would be a worthless piece of metal. And what James says, and you talk about making a strong statement, he doesn't just say, you know, and if you rub off one side of faith and you don't act on what you believe, it's not very good. No, he says it's dead. You, you can't go any further. It's dead, it's useless, it's inert. Now, I've got our heart diagram up here because I wanna talk about how biblical faith 
expresses itself through our mission as a church. And you're gonna hear Rob and I talk about this over the next few years. So this is somewhat review and it's preview because this, this is what we believe as a church. You know, we believe, and I know there are a lot of guests in the room today, we believe that the church, all churches truly are, are, are here to glorify God and make disciples. There's, there, you can't get away from that. That's the mission. And yet every church expresses that mission in a unique way based on gifting, capacity, time in history, whatever you wanna say. And so we say it this way at Fellowship, yes, we exist to glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. Well, what do you mean wholehearted life in Jesus? This is what we mean when we say wholehearted life. The heart in the Bible uh, is primarily, it does refer at times to the organ, but most, it, it doesn't refer to the organ that much. 98% of the time it refers to that inward, invisible, immaterial part of you and I that is who we are. You're not your body, you are your heart. The heart is made up of your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, and your choices. I mean, I think we're rational enough people to go, yeah, there's something different between a thought and a choice. And so you put all four of those together, that's what the Bible describes as the heart. And Jesus himself invites us to love God with our whole heart. You see, that means loving God with your thinking, your feelings, your deepest desires and longings, and your choices all together. And we have a major, major problem when we're born. Because we're born as fallen people to fallen parents, and therefore we possess, when we're born, a broken heart. I don't mean that in the love song sort of way. I mean it in the way that our thoughts, our choices, our emotions, our desires are just out of whack. They're unconnected. The psalmist says in Psalm 86, 11, he says, oh God, give me an undivided heart. You see, we're born with divided hearts. He says, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And the truth is we all live with these undivided hearts wherein we, we think something and we do it and we bypass the image of God in our emotions, in the image of God in our deep longings and desires. The only thing that can unite the heart is the gospel, is a new heart. And indeed, isn't that what Jeremiah said the new covenant would be, is God's gonna give us a new heart. And what he was describing, and of course it was vaguer in the Old Testament, is that God indeed, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, when a person puts their faith in Christ and what he has done, we are, they are born again, they receive a new heart. And we always like to describe it this way, that it is the cross of Christ alone which can bring the heart back together. Only in the cross is the heart brought back together such that you and I in Christ Jesus can live from an undivided heart. Now, the, the process of change and how does God change us into what James just said? When he said so that you can be perfect, that wasn't without flaws. Perfect in that text is mature, whole, complete. 
From the moment you and I put our faith in Christ, we will spend our lifetime, little by little, incrementally, becoming more whole and complete, i.e., more like Jesus. And the process looks like this. The truth of God's word informs our thoughts. We know it's true. We recognize that image bearers, God is a feeling God and God has given us emotions. We don't live by them, but we accept them and we're aware of what's going on in our emotional life. And then we, 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 are, we are always pondering what's the deep longing that's moving me to make this choice? What's the longing of my heart and soul? And fundamentally, there's just a few. The longing for significance, to belong, to be valued. And you see, when, when, when we're living, you all, with, with divided hearts and our desires are whacked out and it's not connected to truth, what happens is we have these desires, I want to belong, I wanna feel I'm needed. But if unconnected from the gospel and the cross, what do we do to fulfill that desire? We eat the fruit. We go do stuff that's not good for us because we so long to be wanted, you see? So this is the gospel changes our desires. I hope, I hope in time we've most fully grasped that when we believe in Christ and trust in Christ and we rely upon the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit, God actually changes our desires, you all, and we no longer live the Christian life as a do and don't. We live the Christian life out of pure delight because my desires have changed. You know, it's not like, hey, love your wife or, or, or you know, don't lie. I'm just not gonna lie. No, it's like, I don't want to lie because my desire has been changed. I tell you, your desires do not change if your heart is divided and you're not living out of your thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices. The way, I know some of you can't see this all the way over there, but I'm gonna draw it this way. If, 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 the way I would draw it on this diagram is this. Thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices. The Christian life is this. Over time, becoming more and more aware of what I'm thinking. So someone offends you. This, this happens, right? Instead of, instead of they offended me, I'm gonna punch them in the face. No, what do we do as Christians? This guy just offended me. And we, and, and we acknowledge that. Then I go, what am I feeling right now? I feel like punching him in the face. But you know what, I'm angry. Well, why am I angry? Because someone offended me. Anger's not, see the emotions are not good or bad, it's I'm angry. That's When something wrong happens, when a right is violated and you don't feel angry, that's a problem. So yeah, I feel angry, this guy offended me. What's my deepest desire though? You know, yes, I wanna, I wanna come out on top, but ultimately in Christ, in the cross of Christ, my deepest desire is, oh God, I wanna be you to this person. When Jesus was offended, did he punch back? So God, would you give me, would you change my desire? I don't punch this person and instead I receive and I love this person. I, I engage, I respond rather than react. And see, if, I, if I'm living aware of those things, you see, in the power of the spirit, I will make choices, you all, out of changed desires. 
but you've always got to keep going through this process. Thoughts, emotions, desires, choice. Thoughts, emotions, desires, choice. When, when we are living that way under, this, under the authority of Scripture and the power of the Spirit, what shapes in us, we believe, I'm gonna draw it out to this, is that what your life begins to look like is you have a renewed mind. Isn't that what Paul commands us? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we begin to live out of healthy relationships. And we begin to live out of satisfied desires. And we actually begin to make choices. And so our Christian life is marked by an active faith. Does this make sense? This is the Christian life. That what we believe, we believe with our whole heart. And genuine biblical faith will always be expressed in an active faith in a choice we make, in a step we take, it never remains just in our minds. Now, this morning, the rest of our time, we are gonna think about, we're gonna look at, and we're gonna listen to three pictures of active faith. It was when we first started this series uh, early on, everyone was given an envelope. You remember this. Uh, and in that envelope was either a $10 bill, uh, a $20 bill, or a $50 bill. And I said this then when we did it. We gave out $35,000 to you. It's yours, it's God's. And whatever envelope you got, we said, here's what we'd like you to do. We'd like you to take that envelope, don't open it till you leave, and when you do, pray that God would show you where to give it. Um, and, and, and we said, and do it this week. Don't wait a month. And the, the, the key in that was to say, we're just inviting you to active faith. We were in the passage that talked about being doers of good, and we said, do good. Uh, you didn't have this $20 when you walked in, but now you do. And that's true in all of life. Everything's gift. And we said, invest that, give it. And there is a lot of stories that came out of that. There's three, four, I want you to see in this video. So um, I was at work on Monday, right after um, church on Sunday, and I usually I'm late at work really late in the evenings, and there's a lady that comes in to clean in my office every day, and I've, over, the time, over time I've asked her her name and said hello to her, um, and on Monday when she came in, I gave her my trash can as usual and just said hello, and she walked out and I just kept working on my laptop, and as soon as she walked out, two minutes later the Holy Spirit said, that's the person you're supposed to give the money to. And I was like, well, I never even thought about it. And so at that moment, 
the way the Lord worked on my head, I had to pluck up courage to get out of my seat, go find her in the hallway because she had left her my office area. And I walked up to her and told her what God was doing in that church and that the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to bless her with it. Um, and so it was just interesting to me that even though I had prayed that God would show me, I was taken aback when he literally said, that's the person I want you to give the money to. It just stirred in my heart to trust that when I asked God to show me something or to point out something to me, He would in a very clear way. I think I was just kind of surprised at how clearly, because she had left my office. I talked to her every day when she comes by. It never once crossed my mind that she was the one I was supposed to give the money to, but the Lord made it very clear that that's who He wanted me to give it to. So um, I prayed and uh, was led to make a donation towards a scholarship program for summer camp for the kids. Um, which is fun and we've actually taken advantage of that in the past um, so it feels nice to give back but also the surprising thing in my heart was that God revealed to me that even with a simple act of faith and obedience I can swing so quickly to self-righteousness and arrogance um, and it just really humbled me to see how quickly my uh, the enemy can change my mind and now I think it's all about me and how great I am and forget so easily that, that it's only because of Jesus that this is possible. I drive for uh, Uber and Lyft, and this week I got the envelope with the $10 bill, and I didn't know what to do with I didn't know immediately who I gave it to. Throughout the week, I meet a lot of people. I just said, God, just put somebody in my car. And he did. And this lady coming out of this leasing office at her apartment, she's looking for a new place to stay because she's going through a lot right now. She's going through a divorce, uh, just got a car accident, just got diagnosed with diabetes. I was taking her back to her place and she asked me to stop by a grocery store and so she can pick up her special dietary food because she cannot swallow hard food either. So just small yogurt. And it's like, I was just throwing ideas like, we can go this place, we can check out this place. She's like, no, I, I'm a strict budget. I cannot go around too much. So by the time I was like, okay, this is the chance. So I log out of the uh, app, so I just decided I'm going to give you a free ride. And she's like, no, no, don't do that. This is your making your living. This is the way you make living. So no, this God put me on my heart. And also this week we're on a mission. We're supposed to uh, help people in need. And I got this envelope. I didn't specify the amount to her. And can I use that money to buy your yogurt? and hand her the $10 bill and she's like, you're not doing, the, you're not pulling my leg, you're not, you're doing this with your money. It's like, no, 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 I got this money from the church and my church is giving this away to you. Yeah, so my kids and I were given envelopes and um, when we got home, before we looked in the envelope, my son was like, well, hey, can we match this? Whatever's in it, can we match it? And I'll be honest, I was a little bit nervous because I was like, what if we all got 50s? I can't match that. But, uh, but we didn't. Um, and so, and, but before we looked at the envelopes, I said, okay, well, let's match that. And we'd been praying about it for a while, and we decided we wanted to give to um, some single moms that we knew. Um, and the kids really wanted to give them Chick-fil-A gift cards. Well, I went to go get the Chick-fil-A gift cards and they didn't sell the denomination that I needed. They uh, only had increments higher. And so I, I didn't, um, didn't want to go lower. And, and I just felt like, okay, I, I, just, I really just need to be obedient. I don't know where this money is going to come from. It ne I just need to be obedient. And so we went with the denomination higher to give to these ladies. Um, but doing so, my budget was short enough to where we were going to have to cut something out. 
and that thing that we were going to have to cut out was going to be my son. My son's trip to um, to the fifth and sixth grade retreat coming up, and I didn't want to tell him no, and I was sad, and I was trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, and Saturdays, I'm sitting down, and I'm trying to figure out what I can rearrange in my budget, etc., to make that happen for my son. I checked the mail, and uh, and Tim and Sally had felt it on their heart to send me their gift, and it was the exact amount that I needed to be able to send my son. Uh, so, so I just, for me, it just showed how faithful God is, and and and. Now, a few things I want to I want to remind us in that um, that is the normal Christian life. See, that's normal. That uh, that's how Christians live. They're aware and trusting in the Holy Spirit to guide and direct them, whatever life may bring. It, it doesn't take a church handing out envelopes. Now we did that to jumpstart us maybe, to remind us how God uses us, but you all, isn't that the norm? You know, it was 35,000 that we truly believed would become 350,000 or more, and I can't tell you the number of people that came to me to say, I'm going broke because I'm ending up giving all my money now. You know, I mean, it's just that, because generosity begets generosity. And they weren't complaining when they said that to me. But, Remove the money and listen to what they said. I heard the Spirit say she's the one. Did you ever experience that in our life? That's, that's the Christian life. And it's not, you know, she didn't say the voice came over the intercom. She, in the Spirit, because she's a, the Spirit lives in her, sensed the Spirit saying this is the one. I heard God say, it's not God booming his voice, it's being sensitive to the Spirit's work in our life based on the word of God, and God said this, and then you step out. Did you catch the first lady say, I had to get out of my seat and catch her? Because how often do we sense the Spirit and it passes? So we just don't get up and go. Man, I want that in my life. That's the normal Christian life. You know, that same month, uh, we invited a couple on stage, Greg and Allison Balmer. Um, I knew a bit of their story, and I thought this would be a good story for us as a church family. While Greg was getting his MBA at Harvard, um, their world got flipped upside down in a way we would, you would ne- they never expected. So here they are at Harvard, and you know, they believe in generosity and stewardship. But as he was doing his graduate work, God, God got a hold of them and a small group of their friends, and stewardship and generosity moved from, yeah, yeah, we believe in it, to we cannot live our life apart from what we know about generosity and stewardship. And they shared their story. And, and they didn't, before I ever asked them, they had previously uh, made a commitment to make a gift to fellowship and it was specifically for people who were 
moving toward adoption. And it was like, we just wanted this gift to go so that people can just take the next step in adoption. And then Marty, our children's pastor, said, oh my, they're giving that? Well, I'm gonna take 50,000 out of this I Choose You fund, which you all have given to, and he, and he applied it to that. Another family comes along and says, well, I wanna give to that. Generosity begets generosity. And I stood up in front of you that day and said, there's $115,000 there for anyone who, who wants to pursue the next step in adoption, and, and the finances are a hindrance. 14 families began that process. Seven are still in that process. And, and, I, and I wanna say this to, to, to you all. You know, when, when Greg and Allison shared what they gave, it's so interesting to me. And I just want us to hold this tension because I got some real pushback on that. Like, they shared what they gave. They don't, and I just want you to know, I, I, it's okay to give that pushback. But I'm telling you, when people are living by faith and choosing to live by faith, it makes people around them uncomfortable. And uh, it, it stirred us though, didn't it? And unbeknownst to them, there's a family that in our church had been in a year-long process of adoption. And that's where these two stories connect. And so I'm gonna invite Jonathan and Lindsay Hayes to join me with a, with a little one on her tummy. Jonathan and Lindsay Hayes they are gonna share part of their story. And may I say to you, I've asked them to share. Uh, we didn't uh, rehearse it, though I did talk to them this week and say, here's, here's some ways we can go about telling this story. And uh, I want you to hear active faith in the life of a young family. Jonathan, we've got a picture that's going up of your family. I'm gonna let you introduce us to everyone. Good morning, fellowship. Like Lloyd said, um, I'm Jonathan. This is my warrior of a mom and wife, Lindsay. Uh, and if you're looking at our picture there, uh, on the far left, that's our oldest, Delia. She is five. Uh, next to her is Melina. She is three and a half, and we adopted her internationally from Ethiopia. Uh, just underneath Lindsay is our um, second youngest. That's Zadie. She is two. And then... Um, I'm holding, and Lindsay's currently holding right now, our sweet baby Avery, and she is two months old. And uh, we brought her home domestically uh, in adoption when she was six days old in March. Yeah. So we're going to go back. Um, let, let me set this story up in this way. Uh, $115,000 is available. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know the process they were in, but it was a, a long process. Lindsay, I'd like you to tell a little bit about that. Go back to the beginning when y'all made the decision, and then the delays that inevitably happen in a process like this? Yeah, um, we knew that, we always knew that we wanted to adopt again after we brought home Melina. And, um, but adoption is definitely different. And so international adoption wasn't an option anymore for us. And so we started the process to adopt domestically. And, um, and we were just in that wait and had actually about a week before had heard from our agency, it's probably going to be a lot longer than we were thinking. Um, so, you know, just kind of sit back and, and relax because you're going to be here for a little while. Well, um, those of you who've been through this process know that it can be stop and start, stop and start. And so as they get, begin to prepare themselves to wait a while, the start comes a lot sooner than you thought it would. Yes, and so um, so we had, 
you know, been at the service where Allison and Greg shared and had heard about this money, but we kind of felt like we're, we're already here, we're in it, and we were wanting it to be, to go for families who maybe had, were hoping to take that first step. Um, we just have been so blessed by adoption and just seeing God work right in front of your eyes in somebody's life. And so we were hoping that other families might take that step from this money. And so um, we were so encouraged by this service, but, um, you know, kind of walked away like, oh, I can't wait to see what God does with that. And um, through actually the adoption ministry at Fellowship, which is phenomenal, and we've just loved having such a great adoption community here. Uh, Marty and Connie had kind of said, hey, how much are you, how, how short are you guys? And they kind of said it in passing and she, Connie was like, we'll call you, we'll talk. And so um, several, a few days later, maybe a week later, Connie called us and said, hey, I really want to know how short are you guys? We were kind of like, we're about 8,100 short from what, you know, our full amount that we would need. And we would actually need that amount when we were replaced with a child. And actually, I, on the phone with her, I said, today we got a call that this little baby was born and this birth mom chose us and, um, and we're just waiting to see if it's gonna happen or not. There's a four day revocation period in Georgia. So we were kind of waiting to see if, it, if she would get to be ours or not. And Jonathan, when you got that call, and again, just so you get the timeline in your, in, in your head, you know, wait, and then suddenly, no, you don't have to wait. Uh, a baby's born. Now you got to wait a little longer to make sure she's going to be yours because of the revocation period where the birth mom can take back. And right in the middle of that, Connie calls and says, what do you need? You have it. But a lot's going on in your hearts, of course. Jonathan, what's going on in your heart when that call came and um, yeah, absolutely, Lloyd. I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the, on the head there. Um, as soon as we found out about, about Avery, um, we also found out that Fellowship was going to be able to help us out and, and to match exactly what we needed. But the very next day, we got a call from the agency and said, because of that revocation period, she goes, you know, hey guys, we need to back off this just a little bit. We're not sure that this is actually going to happen. This is probably about 90% chance that, you know, that this is not going to, this is not going to go through. Um, so it was definitely that roller coaster of emotions going up until Friday. Um, and then Friday at five o'clock, uh, we got in touch with our, um, with the agency and found out that, you know, Avery was going to be able to come home with us and that, you know, go ahead and pack up everything and come down and bring her into your family. So from wait to come down tomorrow and, and get your child. And they had an experience, uh, it's an open adoption, and, and Jonathan, share a little bit about the, what God did in your own heart related to that, you know, related to Avery's mom and meeting her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you had known, and I know there's some of people in the, in the room that have, maybe have even had this conversation with, like regarding open adoption, I have such a history with um, with, with that term. Um, I, I was adopted when I was five years old, and I haven't had a relationship with my biological father since that time. And so, uh, in terms of healthy relationships, you know, I didn't have one. So there was a tremendous fear that I had going into this, um, and, and was holding this gift that that God was giving our family was just holding it so tight and saying, you know, no, this is, you know, this is kind of mine. There's that fear of what a positive relationship would look like for Avery um, with a birth mom or, or, you know, with a birth family. Um, but let me just tell you, God just worked some magic in my heart from taking, you know, somebody who's holding this so completely tight to just saying, you know, no, 
every single one of our daughters is yours. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Avery is yours. And if there's any way that you can work in her life to have every positive relationship possible, that's exactly what I want for her. And so it went from, you know, this to just, we're going to give this to you. Um, and, And, you know, that was just one small step uh, of that active faith that I had to make and, and see my heart turn in that way. Mm-hmm. Lindsay, talk about, um, you used the word humbled with me this week. Unpack that for, for the church. Yeah, um, you know, we kind of felt just, sim- I guess similar to what Jonathan was saying of just um, with both adoptions in that waiting period, it's so easy to doubt God's goodness that it's gonna actually, you know, you, you feel his is calling into something, but then you have that fear in the back of your mind. Is this really going to happen? Is this really, um, are we really going to get to have this gift? And so, um, and so it, it just felt, honestly, you know, we felt just so humbled. And then also playing into that, just knowing that um, Avery's birth mom chose us to be her parents to me was just so, mm-hmm. I felt so undeserving. Like, I don't know if I can live up to that. I don't know if I can live up to someone's expectations of what a good mom looks like for their their child. Um, and so it, it did and does just feel um, very humbling. And it really, um, you know, this has been so timely for us because being in this series, it's really just been requiring of me just this constant thought of I've got to be walking with the Spirit. And I, that's the only way that I can really uh-huh. live out um, the kind, to be the kind of mom that I would want to be and that you know, God would call me to be. Uh-huh. And so um, these last couple of weeks of talking about prayer and, um, and really relying on the Holy Spirit has just been so good for me um, just, to, just to be able to say, I know that I'm not worthy, but um, that you know, when we rely on the Holy Spirit that God can really use us. And- uh-huh. The other thing that they, they made clear to me as we were talking earlier in the week is and they really did say, well, we, I don't know. I don't know that we have a story. And of course, all of us are going, "What? <laughs> yeah, there's a story, and uh, and it's a God story." And and you had mentioned it's not about y'all. Yeah, unpack that a little bit as you shared with me. Yeah, uh, we did have that thought of just kind of I don't know what we would even say about this, but other than just how much God has done and just how we had that fear that He was that he was as good as he says he is. And um, it's just been the most overwhelming blessing to have, um, you know, such a tangible gift just given to you. And it really was so clear, um, you know, in meeting her birth mom and and the timeline. And um, it was so clear that this is just what God had planned from the beginning of time. And um, and just this perfect, precious gift for us. And and so it, it is our heart and our desire just that, he would be glorified and that, mm-hmm. um, that, that that's really what we would want to share is just what God has done in her life and in our life through her. Yeah. And you have done that. I want us to stand and we're going to stand for a couple of reasons. I'm going to tell you why in a moment. Uh, let's thank Lindsay and Jonathan for coming to you this morning. And Avery, y'all can go on down. I want you standing for a moment. When we see God at work and we hear it, whether it's as the stories with those envelopes and that people sense God's spirit and they gave and and the giving begets giving and God is glorified in that. And, And a family is in a process way before another family stands up and shares their own story of giving and generosity and and it unlocks this 
gift, doesn't it, in us that we would respond. And so I'm gonna respond with us praying and singing. And I had you stand in a sense to, to make a statement to Jonathan and Lindsay, we are so for you. And to make a statement that we are with each other in this and they don't stand alone. And so I'm gonna ask you to bow your head. I wanna pray for us and then may we lift our voice to thank God for his faithfulness to us even as we take steps of faith. Oh, high King of heaven, we find ourselves on holy ground once again. For in this story of your faithfulness and the faith of your children, life has come upon us. All of us, oh God, are born apart from you, away from home. We're orphans. But because of your good pleasure, you rescued us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And in rescuing us, we are set free from sin's penalty of death. And we have come to know what Avery right now cannot articulate but her soul knows very well. In my father's house, there's a place for me. Oh God, as true as that is for Avery Hayes, it's true for each one of us as we trust you. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Who am I that the highest King will welcome? I was lost, but He brought me in. Oh, His love for me. Oh, His love for me. Whom His Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child.
be seated. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ, when he walked this earth, died, rose again, then ascended, he, <clears throat> he gave the church uh, two ordinances or two commands, two things to practice in this time between him, when he ascended, and we live in this in-between time, and there's a time when he's coming again to set all things right. And in that in-between time, he said, practice the <clears throat> ordinance of the Lord's table, wherein we take bread and a cup, symbolic of his body and his blood, and we take it, we drink it. You remember Jesus said in John, those weird, strange words, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, and people get kind of whacked out about that, and yet Jesus was speaking metaphorically, of course, <clears throat> and we see it in the Lord's table, symbolic of his body and his blood, that it's he who nourishes us spiritually. It's he who gives us a whole heart. And then the second ordinance is baptism. <clears throat> baptism wherein we, <clears throat> following Jesus, having put our trust in Christ, one of our first steps of obedience is we follow the Lord in baptism. We believe, the Bible teaches, believer's baptism. That you're not baptized in order to be saved. Baptism doesn't save you. <clears throat> baptism is, is a picture of your salvation so that when someone puts their trust in Christ, they are born again. <clears throat> they have a new heart. <clears throat> their sins are forgiven. They're clothed in Christ's righteousness. I'm good. Um, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Clothed in Christ's righteousness. And, and Jesus commanded his followers to then identify with him publicly. See, because faith can be, you know, it's personal between you and God, but faith never remains there. It always goes public. And that first step of public expression is called baptism. And we have some members of the body today who are expressing active faith, and they're choosing to come to say, I want to be baptized. They will go down in that water. They will come out of that water. You talk about a very physical, tangible picture of life and death. The water's death. Their body goes into death. Why? Because Jesus' body went into death. And these have placed their faith in Jesus. But they don't stay under the water. They come out of the water. Why? Because Jesus came out of the water. Jesus came out of death. And in Christ, so do all who believe in him. And so we will, as a church, as they come out, I'll, I'll have them come out one by one and we'll baptize them. I'll have them say a word to you. And then we, we celebrate when they come out of this water. We jump up. Some of us whistle, you know, woo-hoo. But, we, we, but it, the, the point is we, we, we celebrate God's goodness. I told them earlier, it's not about them. It's about Jesus. Now, when the early church baptized people, you all, um, it would be public, and you might have your family there to, to, to be glad that you're baptized, but you know who else was there? People who rejected Christ, business people, authorities, and so you get baptized there, you come out of the water, people aren't, some people might be cheering, the other people are going, we're taking that person down, we're ostracizing that person, you know what I mean? In other words, you said to the whole world, I'm a Christ follower, come what may. I'm following Jesus. So that's what these represent this morning. I'm gonna bring uh, dad and daughter, Matt and Madeline, Madeline. Is it Madeline or Madeline? Madeline. Madeline. That's right. I always get in trouble with these names. Madeline out to be baptized. Um, 
Madeline's gonna go, we're gonna do Madeline first or you, you first? Let's do Madeline first. Madeline, I'm gonna, Dad, help her get in that water. Step in there, Madeline. You're gonna, you're gonna face me. There you go. There you go, honey. Look towards me. Now sit down on that little brick right there. Come out here, Mom. Anyone, family, friend of Madeline, Madeline's wanna come up? Because you can come up here and you can get around whatever you wanna do. Anybody wanna get up here? If you wanna take a picture, come on up here, y'all. This is... This is the time. You guys come up here and stand over here. Madeline, I want you to look out at your church family. And I want, to, I want you to tell your church family, I'm gonna hold the microphone for you and you tell them why you've come to be baptized today. I felt like it because... Hold on one second, are we on? <clears throat> I felt like it because I... God told me in the Holy Spirit that it was my time to get baptized. Have you put your faith in Christ? Yes. Do you believe that he died on the cross and rose again for your sin? Yes. And you're trusting in what he did for you? Yes. And we always ask, you know, we do do interviews. I want you to know if you're a guest, we, 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 we interview kids. We go through a process to make sure because absolutely they can believe at a young age. But we want to make sure that it's genuine belief. Dad, I want you to say a word about that, about what you've seen in her life, reflective of her faith. Hold that up close there. It starts with her mother. Um, Every night, um, they say prayers every night before they go to bed, so it's been part of her life, and um, she's she's taught us a lot just um, over these years, and and that's what brought me here today, um, to get baptized with her. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Madeline, I want you to hold your nose and, and hold on for a moment. I want to say these words. You can grab hold there. Um, it is such a great joy for your father and I to baptize you. You're, you're my sister in Christ as you are to your dad. We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit just as Jesus commanded. So dad, we're gonna take her back. We're buried with Christ in baptism all the way under, all the way under the water. There you go. And all the way back up. Yes! Woo! Way to go, man. <laughs> you can hop out of that water. <laughs> Stay right over here, Madeline. You can watch, Madeline, you watch your dad. Matt, I'm gonna... I'll let you hold, you can hold that. And I want you to say a word about why you're here to be baptized. Yeah, um, we first started coming to fellowship. I'd never- Is that attended. on again or not? Good, okay. So um, I I had never attended, attended church as a child. And in 2012, uh, our family started attending fellowship consistently and um, started feeling, you know, happier and uh, more whole than I have in my whole life. and. I guess uh, I've always kind of kicked the can on getting baptized in my spiritual life and thinks, you know, Lloyd can kind of be motivating up there. On stage about a month ago, he announced that there was going to be a public baptism and you would have thought, Maddie looked over at us and you would have thought Santa Claus was coming that that Sunday and so that um, that was, I kind of knew that was my time Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, um, 
and it, like I don't remember this. There's a pa- there was a passage that Maddie had no idea her reaction, but it spoke to me. But it's from Acts twenty two sixteen. It says, "And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name." And she had no idea. Mm. <laughs> That's it. Have you put your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes, I have. I got to take my jacket off. I'm getting soaked, y'all. We're going to put your dad under here. Hold your nose. Matt, you're my brother in Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus has saved you. And on the basis of your confession in his life, death, and resurrection, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Y'all slide back, I'm good. Y'all go back this way. Caroline, Breen is coming out with uh, Rob, Howard, family, come up here and join us. Come up and gather around. Caroline, you want to step in there, hon? I got you, babe. Uh, this is Caroline Breen and her mom and dad, David and Shelly, and a lot of friends. Oh my gosh, what is going on? <laughs> Everybody's coming. That's awesome. That is awesome. You guys keep coming. Just come on up. Come this way. Sarah, you guys come over this way. There you go. We're... Keep, keep moving around. Keep we moving around. Everybody I want everybody up to here. get up. Keep Can... coming, you guys. You guys come on this side. You guys come on this side. Keep coming. Keep coming. Well, now I know why there's so many people at church today. That's right. Clearly, Caroline, Caroline, you've upped attendance significantly just being baptized. But uh, what a treat to have this many stand with you, young lady. What What a beautiful picture. This is special for us. Man, when I baptized Sarah, she said, promise not to cry. Now look at me with Caroline. Caroline's my next door neighbor, and we've lived next door to Caroline since before she was born. And she's just like one of our family. And so I am honored to baptize you. I am. Tell us about the decision that you've made. I made the decision to follow Christ when I was very young. I've grown up in a Christian household. I've always gone to Christian schools. However, I really saw Christ working in my life during my eighth grade freshman and sophomore years. I may not have realized it then, but some of the most faith-testing moments of my life during these years would bring me so much closer to the Lord. He has shown up for me through his word, especially the book of James, and through Christ-like people at the perfect time. He has provided for me in so many ways. I've realized that I'm completely helpless in tough situations without Christ, and I need a savior because I'm a sinner and I make a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Jesus paid for all of my sins though on the cross and I want to be obedient to him by being baptized today in front of my church, family, and friends. I want to show everyone that I'm walking in newness of life because Christ died for me. I want to live more like Jesus every day and be an example for him with an active faith. Amen. 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 
dad. Sure. <laughs> Caroline, obviously you're loved. And uh, it shows here today by all your friends. And um, as a dad, <coughs> obviously it's natural to worry about, you know, the things that are going to come growing into your teenage years. And so when you came home and said, 16 years old, and you came home and said you want to be baptized, it was a, you know, a breath of thankfulness. And uh, we're thankful for today, mm -hmm. for you. Amen. All right, Rob. Oh, grab your nose there. I'm gonna, it's a great honor for us. We baptize you based on your profession of faith in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. My heart is so full. And we have one more to be baptized. Jenna Phipps and her dad will join me. Come on out here, Jenna. How you doing, honey? You good. All right, I'm gonna have you go ahead. Let me hold that for you, and I'll have you step in this water. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Friends and family, come up here of Jenna. <laughs> come love on her. Small group, anybody that wants to be up here, we want you up here. Jenna, you can go ahead and sit down, honey. And... Uh, I've got, you've got your card here for you. Jenna, I'm just gonna ask you to read and, and you can tell us, even as we have everyone who's come before you this morning, just tell us why you come to be baptized today. Speak to your church family. I trusted Christ when I was about five years old and as a child, I had a really simple faith. I was really strong in my faith. Um, as a teenager, some really dark times and doubts hit me unexpectedly, and I felt really far from God. Um, I didn't understand his character. Like, I knew what the Bible said about him, but it wasn't true in my life. I was holding myself to really high standards and not allowing his love to actually affect me. Mm. I've also struggled with doubts in my salvation for years, and I've just struggle a lot with that emotionally and mentally, but that also led me to seek knowledge of God and to have probably a stronger faith than I would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. I am also still discovering the simple but also powerful love of Jesus, and I'm wanting to discover that even more. Mm -hmm. And also just want to encourage all of you that salvation is through simple faith in Christ and what He's done. Um, Jesus sets us free in so many ways, and I haven't discovered most of those yet, but I'm really excited to, and to see how he sets me free from my fears and failures that I have. I'm really excited to move forward in baptism and with you all as a church, and take this next step in following Christ. Amen. 
Dad, would you want to say a word about what you've seen in this young lady's life? Well, I would agree with everything that uh, she said. She has sought the Lord uh, in the good times and particularly uh, in the challenging times and been a student of His Word and a, a woman of prayer and also uh, humbly have asked others to come alongside her and to pray for her. And it's just been an encouragement to me to see her seek the Lord. Um, not only when times are good, but also uh, mm -hmm. when times have been challenging and just that she wants to continue to follow and to obey Him. She's just been a, an encouragement to me. I'm mm -hmm. proud of you. Jenna, based on your profession of faith, your trust in Christ, that simple faith that you just spoke to 500 people and said, it's just faith, you've expressed that today. You are secure in Jesus to the day you see him face to face. You will never do anything that would make him love you less and you'll never do anything that would make him love you more. He loves you unconditionally and you are his. It's a great joy for your father and I to baptize. We will do so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grab your nose there. We are buried with Christ in baptism. Right there. Buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life.
my heart is so full this morning because Jesus has been glorified. He is the hero of every story. He's the hope of the world. And we have, a, as a church, we get the opportunity to take that hope to the world. Right where we live, work, and we play. We play. The writer of Hebrews says, now the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd through the blood of the eternal covenant, that is Jesus our Lord, may he equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. And God bless. You are dismissed. Hallelujah. Praise the one who